here this morning. We're going to be looking at, at Joshua. Again, we've been on this for the last two weeks. This week will be the third. We look first over at Joshua chapter 1 and chapter 7 where he had received a word from God. And that word from God was something that other people had received, but this was specifically given to, to Joshua. And he had told him, he said, be strong and be courageous. And he gave him some things that he had to, to make sure that he did. He said, operate this way. Go this way. Do this. And we saw that he had opportunity after the victory over Jericho, that he had the opportunity to disbelieve God and he took it. He wasn't faithful with the things that God had told him. We then looked at the following week and he made a covenant with people that were inside the land. He wasn't faithful with what God had told him. Despite the fact that he was probably one of the most faithful people we saw in the Word of God, we saw a few times where he was not faithful. But God still blessed him. How many of you know that throughout this series on faithfulness, you have found sometimes some things where you can say, I have not been faithful. But I want you to know that even though there have been times where we have not been faithful and that we've let God down, just like Joshua did, that God is still there and ready to help us out. So we had two times looking at in chapters 1 and chapter 7 and, and then over in chapter 9. And we saw that Joshua had an opportunity to be faithful with what God said and he let it go. But we're going to see something in chapter 10 that will blow your mind. I'm sure most of you have already, already read this, already know about the things that have happened in chapter 10. But we want to show you some particular things. Two things we're going to be looking at in particular here. One, remember last week we told you about getting rid of a limitation that you may have on you? And the second one is there is something very unique about this battle that is going to go on. It will not jump out at you when you read the Word. It is in the Word, but it won't jump out at you. We're going to show you some of those things. And hopefully you can write this in your Bible. Make sure that you don't forget it. Because there will be coming times in your life when you will need this. Let's read over here in Joshua chapter 10 and verse 1. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zadok, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it as he had done to Jericho and its king. So he had done to Ai and its king. And now the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai. And all its men were mighty. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent for Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore, the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua at the camp of Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. 
Now here is the story of uh, Gibeon. Remember the Gibeonites are the ones who made the covenant with Israel and they deceived them. They deceived them into, into making this covenant. We're from a far country. We're not from the land. Uh, make peace with us. And so they did. And we talked about the things that were involved with that. But if you were Joshua and you know these, these folks just were dishonest with you, misrepresented themselves, they are supposed to be wiped out. They can no longer be wiped out by your hand because you made a covenant. But here come the other kings coming to wipe them out. How many see the hand of God in this? Glory to God. God do unto you. <laughs> and we could certainly say that. And I think we'd almost feel redeemed. How many of you would feel okay about this? Yeah, let's just watch them guys just kill each other and then that's just less for us to have to deal with. Somehow, in the covenant that they made, though it's not stated in the Word of God, this clause of protection came upon them. I guess because they were their servants and they were submitted to them. And so they called upon them. Now here's an interesting thing. Gibeon is a great city. And they call upon Israel. Remember the word of God said that there were nations mightier and greater than Israel? And yet, they come upon Israel and say, hey, we need you to come save us. Apparently, they didn't feel like they could save themselves. And so, Joshua does. He decides, all right, we're going to go ahead and do this. Now, I, I mentioned this to you before, but in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1 and 3, there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. So he went out, and he, Saul began to kill some of these Gibeonites that they had a covenant with. And apparently, this covenant that they made, though God didn't want them to make it, God still held them to it. And when they began to, to kill off the, the Gibeonites under Saul, God held them accountable. Note this too. When they were re- getting ready to make the covenant with Gibeon, God did not send word to one of his prophets and say, interrupt them. Because couldn't God have done that? Couldn't God have sent word to one of the prophets, the high priest, go before the Lord? He didn't do it. If you want to miss God, if you want to go in a direction against God, God will let you. You don't have to. You can seek after God at any time. Now look at this. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them. There you see that protection part. And Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Therefore David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? So even though they were their servants, they broke the covenant and David said, we have, to, we have to make this right. What can we do to make this right? Now notice this. You can be zealous for the things of God. You can write that down in your outline. It's in there for you. You can be zealous for the things of God and still miss the heart of God. Remember it said here, Saul sought, had sought to kill them, the Gibeonites, in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. He was so zealous for the children of Israel and the children of Judah that he decided to wipe these guys out because they shouldn't be here. They deceived us 
And so he began to go out there and to kill them in his zeal for Israel and for Judah. But he did not have the heart of God. Sometimes we have zeal for the things of God, for the work of the church, for the work of ministry, but we've missed the heart of God. We have to make sure that we maintain the heart of God in all the ministry and all the things that we do. That's up to us. So, regardless of our thoughts about this covenant, God's thoughts are clear. Honor it. In Psalms 15, verses 3 and 4, I'm going to read these for you. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord, who he who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Joshua was one of those. He made a promise to his own hurt. And despite that, he didn't change. Now let's go on here. Look at these verses again. I want you to see something. And if you, um, if you can make this note in your Bibles, make these notes in your Bibles. If you don't have a, a Bible that you can make note of, Maybe you have a digital one. My, my digital Bible lets me uh, make notes on it. Brother Hagen used to always tell us when we had our Bibles, because he used to uh, always tell us to write in our Bibles. See, this is back in the days you didn't have anything digital. That's how old I am. <laughs> but back in those days, you'd have a Bible and you're writing it. And he used to always tell us, he said, yeah, write this down in your, in your Bible. He says, if you can't write this in your Bible, throw it out and get one you can. I always loved that phrase of his. You ought to be free to write in your Bible. The Bible itself is not a holy book. What is written in it, the words, are what is holy. You ought to be able to write in your Bible, highlight it, underline it, whatever it is that you want to do. It's uh, it's good to have remembrance of these things. Now, I don't always bring over a hard copy of hard copy of a Bible. I have one. I have a couple actually, multiple ones. But the uh, one study Bible I have, there's writing all over it. In fact, when I first started writing this thing uh, decades ago, I used to write really tiny. And people would look at that and say, how can you read that? Now, I'm not reading it today. I need some uh, glasses to help me out with that. But (laughs) I used to actually write that. I was smaller print than the print in the Bible. And I would write all this stuff down. But I got all these things in. So whenever I go on through, I can, can, oh yeah, I remember this. Oh yeah, I remember this. And I've got those... uh, those things written down. So it is good to write some things down in your Bible. But let's take a look at this. You can write these down if you want to. I want you to take a look at something in particular. Now, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and utterly destroyed it. So they got words about this. And so he sent out uh, messages to people. Now, verse 3. Therefore, Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jamuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, Debir, king of Eglon, saying. So here's the, here's the kings that went along. Now most of those times we read those names and they mean nothing to us. How many of you those names mean absolutely nothing to you? These are just hard to pronounce names. The Bible is filled with hard to pronounce names. Who calls their kids these things anymore? I mean, really. Now this first one that comes along, you may recognize. How many recognize part of the name of Adonai Zedek? You recognize the, 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 the word Adonai, right? Because we have that somewhat in English for the, for the word Lord. I want you to show, see what these names mean. Now this is something I had written down. I don't even know who I got it from. I don't know Hebrew. 
or whatever other language that these things came from. But I wrote these down as, as I came upon them. The king of Jerusalem, Adonai Zadik, means Lord of Justice or Righteousness. Satan's counterfeit version of this was Melchizedek. Uh, he, was a, he was a counterfeit version of uh, Melchizedek. God's version of this was Melchizedek, the priest, the lineage of priests that would go on forever. Jesus, in the book of Hebrews, was of the lineage of the high priest Melchizedek, not the high priest Aaron. And uh, the Hebrews goes into quite extensively some of the things that were involved with that. But here we have Adonai Zedek, Lord of Righteousness or Lord of Justice. In these five kings, you are going to see five ways in which the devil attacks you. Five different ways in which the devil attacks you. Here's the first one. He will come, the first way the devil comes at you is as an angel of light. The Word of God calls him an angel of light, but one of the first ways the devil will come and attack you is as an angel of light. Once you got born again and filled with the Spirit and God's doing great things in your life, he knows he can't come to you with pure darkness anymore. He's got to come to you with something that looks good. Something that looks like it might be righteous. Something that looks like it might be religious or Christian, whatever it might be. And he wants you to go along with that. He's going to first off come as an angel of light. I put this in my notes. Just because they worship Jesus doesn't mean it's our Jesus. Just because you hear people get together and they worship Jesus doesn't mean it's the worship of our Jesus. We were, um, I told you this story before, but some time ago, one of the church, uh, we were trying to get a number of churches in the area together to do a few things. And my wife was uh, going around and she was calling them. And she had called several, uh, a, a multitude of them, but there was two that stood out to us. One of them in particular, uh, they, they talked about the things they worship and they, they worship God and they worship Jesus um, <clears throat> along with others. And, and my wife said, what? <laughs> and they began to name off some of the other gods that they worshipped in their service. Now, they're listed as a Christian church. But, uh, well, yeah, you know, sometimes we worship Jesus, but sometimes we worship, and they name some of these other things that they did. This is the church in the area. It's, I think it's still around. I don't know. I've, I've never gone there. <laughs> we kind of cr- scratched that one off the list. All right, we don't want that one going out. <laughs> well, well, yeah, we, we wiped, wiped that one out. But there's other ones too. Uh, that the things that they support are directly against God. God's Word. God's Word says, don't do this. And they say, we do it. Wait a minute, the Word of God says no. Oh, we don't believe that. These, are, these go you know, by the name of Christian church. So you got to be careful. Just because somebody passes themselves off as a Christian or a follower of God does not necessarily mean that they are. Now, don't go around and being suspicious of everybody. You've got a spirit down on the inside of you. When you got born again, God gave you of His Spirit. That spirit down on the inside of you, if you get in the wrong place, it just goes off. It just says, mm-mm. I'll, I'll, I'll date myself again. Remember the robot? Danger Will Robinson. Danger Will Robinson. Anybody who's uh, <laughs> of a certain age, we all know who that is. And, uh, you know, the arms filling around and, and so forth. Your spirit will go off and warn you of danger. Uh, you don't know why. You don't even know the scriptures for, for uh, why they're wrong. But the spirit of God tells you that's not right. It's not right. And he will get us to, to move on and get away from that. Don't let those things. Uh, don't, be, don't be so distracted by it and get in fear 
devil gets you in fear, stuff like this. Just know, if somebody is off, your spirit will let you know. He'll tell you about it. It'll be good when my wife and I, decades ago, when we first met, and um, she would uh, she would be in some, some services or had been in some services, and she said, uh, I, this, this teaching was going on. I just didn't feel right about it. And see, I knew the word pretty, I knew the word a lot better than she did at that point. And so uh, I'd say, well, yes, because the Word of God says this. Oh, all right. But she didn't know the Word of God said that. All she knew was that isn't right. It came up in her spirit. See, it'll, he'll do that for you. That doesn't give you an excuse not to feed your spirit and develop it. But just know, just because something is outside of the scope of what you know, your spirit will know about it. Don't be in fear. But he will come as an angel of light. Here's the second one. The king of Hebron. Hoham. This means the voice of the multitude. His name means the voice of the multitude. Satan will try to persuade by popular opinion. We saw this in Numbers chapter 13 and 14 with the 12 spies. I mean, remember the story of the 12 spies. And you get a whole bunch of people going in a certain direction. Let's just carry the whole crowd. They had 10 of the spies going in the wrong way and they carried the whole crowd. But two people stood up to it. You look at Daniel. Daniel sometimes was the only one standing up against things. Sometimes it was him and his three buddies. Sometimes it looked like Daniel was off going someplace else and the three buddies were at home and they had to make a stand. But it didn't matter how much of the crowd went a particular direction, they stood up against it. But that's another way that the enemy will come against you. Try and persuade by popular opinion. Now you'll notice this when you first got born again and you start learning things about the Word of God, you've got family members who didn't follow suit. And when you start going after the things of God, they start telling you and begin to pressure you. And begin to say, that's not, why do you want to do stuff like that? Or maybe you had some friends and some of these friends, you know, you would get together and you would party and you would do some, some things that would uh, not be something that a Christian would, would do. And they try and pressure you and get you to go back. You don't have to go back. Just know that the enemy is going to try and persuade you by popular opinion. Here's the third one. The king of Jarmuth, Piram, which means like a wild ass. It's actually what it means. Stands for instability. When you take your eyes off the word of God and focus on other things, like human reasoning, you will become unstable. They do what they want to do. Do not submit to a master's will. When you get into the area of human reasoning, you can reason out the, 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 the many multiple reasons why you want to go against the things of God. Well, I can go ahead and say this. I can go ahead and do this. I can go ahead and, and we reason out because don't go with human reasoning. Does the Word of God say, stay away from it? The Word of God says, stay away from it. Don't try and figure out how close can I get there before I'm actually in it. Did we do this as kids? Maybe you have kids in your life right now that are doing this. You say, don't go in the street. So where do they go? They have the entire yard to play. Where do they go? Sometimes they'll go right up on the curb. Stand right there on the curb, right? I'm not in the street. <laughs> have you been there? You see? Get out of the street. Not in the street, mom. I'm on the curb. Uh, 
Yep. Human reasoning. The devil will love to get you into this. Because if he can get you to reason out, well, the reason that I can do this, the reason I can go this way, the reason I can partake with these people to do this is because, and we reason it out. But your spirit is saying on the inside, don't do it. That's the third king. Here's the fourth king. The king of Lachish, Japhia, means splendid, dazzling to the eyes. You remember this from the New Testament. The lust of the eyes, the lure of the world. Satan tries to distract you away from where you should be. He tries to give you shining lights. Things that are, 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 are better and greater. Here, look at this. Come after this. Go in this particular way. And, uh, and don't, don't do it. Don't go after those particular things. Now, I, I know I shared this story to you. I don't share this story a whole lot of times, but I've shared it maybe once or twice in, in that. But um, you all know I, I talked about it, I guess, in the week, last week or the week before, one of those times. I had this uh, job over at uh, Ken's Pizza and uh, making pizzas. And before long, I was uh, moved up into shift leader and running the store and do all sorts of stuff and kind of got as high as I could while I was going to school. But after I had graduated from school, and um, they even told us down there at Raymond, they said, uh, don't just go someplace, wait for God to tell you where to go. And so I did that. And so I waited around. After we graduated from school, I waited around. says, God, I'm just waiting one direction for you to go. So I had no direction. So they wanted to have me take over a store on my own. And so I started the training process to take over a store while I would still be down there in Tulsa. And we started that, that process up. And that's the, as we got into, I think, the, about two months into the summer, uh, the Spirit of God led me, says, it's now time. And he told me to go on home to, to this area. And so uh, I always knew that I'd be starting a church in this area. That's what God had told me to, to do. Um, it wasn't time for me to start a church yet then, but he just told me to, to go on home. And, and so that's what I followed suit. So the area general manager, who I work with uh, pretty closely, and told you some of the story about that, when he heard that I came and I had given him my notice, uh, gave him more than two weeks. I gave him about a month, month and a half uh, that I had until I was going to be leaving. And I said, I'll be, I'll be leaving. He came into the store. The day he heard it, he came into the store and he said, hey, can I talk to you for a little bit? And he sat me down. And he says, uh, I hear that you're leaving. He says, can I offer you more money? We really want you to stay. And I said, well, I, I appreciate that. I said, it's not really a money issue. It's, uh, you know, this is what I went to school for and this is uh, what I'm, I'm going to do. He says, all right, I understand that. But he says, look, if you will stay around and if you will take over a store for a few years, he says, this was his words to me. I will guarantee you, I will get you in the office within three to five years. And if you got in the office in this company, you had a Monday to Friday restaurant job, pretty much working eight to five, a few times on the weekends, not much, not a whole lot of nights. You had your own company car. You had a salary that was on the high end of Tulsa, Oklahoma. What he was, what he was telling me is, Steve, you will be taken care of for the rest of your life. That company is still there. The people I know that were managers retired from there. The company is still going on and it is as strong as it ever has been. It was not an empty promise. And uh, the area general manager actually retired. And a few times I've gone back there. I've met up with him. He greeted me. He actually gave me a tour of the new facilities and all the different things that they had been into. And uh, there was a time I went back to Tulsa. 
and stayed there for a year. I had been involved in the church for, for five years and got so damaged from it all, I wanted to get out of ministry completely. So I figured if the only place I'm going to get repaired is to go on down to Oklahoma. Went on down there to Tulsa, got involved in a the, in the church, and uh, just get myself all excited again. But I needed a job while I was out there. And so I gave thought to going back to Ken's Pizza and getting a job. And I thought, if I take that job, I will have a future. I will have a job, and I'll never look back from it again. That's why I was afraid I would never look back. And I was afraid I'll just, I'll just take that. And so I said, no, I need to, to go away from that. And so I went after some other jobs. And, and um, I mean, they were they, none of them were as good as uh, what, I, what I'd given up and, and not uh, going after. So you just know, um, he will try and distract you with things. Don't let him do it. This is one of the ways that, that he will do this. Give you nice, bright, shiny things. Uh, come on over this way. Satan will try to distract you away from where you should be. If God said stay out of it, stay out of it. It's a distraction. Don't go after it. Here's the number five. King of Eglon. Debir. This word means, or his name means, oracle. This is a direct satanic attack. If Satan cannot distract you, if he cannot make any of these other things work to, to pull you away, when all else fails, he will come right at you. He will come right after Just full, direct attack. He is going to try and take you down. That is what we're seeing here. We're seeing five kings that are coming after... Really, they're coming after Gibeon. But Joshua is going to go after them instead. So verse 7. Let's pick this up. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. This is a huge battle. God said that the nations and the kings that are in the land were greater and mightier than Israel. They're facing five of them. They have giants. They have irons of chariots. Or ch- chariot, uh, uh, yeah, iron chariots. They have horses. They have all kinds of weaponry that Israel does not have yet. And they're coming out. Five kings have united against them. And God says to him, Do not fear them. Have you ever been in a battle and you feel like everything is coming against you at one time? Have you ever been in that? It just seems like you get this attack and then this one and then this one and then this thing and then this thing. It's all coming at you and you feel overwhelmed. And you feel like, I can't win this. I just can't win this. You see, that's one of the things that the enemy wants to get you to, to do is to despair. Look at what he says. Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. In verse 9, Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. He marched all night, came upon them suddenly. He wanted to get the element of surprise. He also wanted to get there before they attacked their, their new servants who they are protecting. It seems that what Joshua had done here was he had picked a, a smaller force than all the men because they were going to make a journey that typically this distance would take an army three days to travel. It was a three-day normal 
uh, distance for, for an army. It was a distance of 26 miles. Now, you could, you could say, well, I can make 26 miles in a day. Sure, you could. That's a marathon. Everybody here can run a marathon, right? Got there and go. 26 miles. But you've got to take the army, all the supplies, all the weaponry. And they don't move quite as easily as an individual would. So he had to march all night long and then to get there into the battle. Now you marched all night long. Most people are supposed to be sleeping then. He didn't let them sleep. So they come into the battle a little bit tired, but they caught them by surprise. Verse 10. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Haran, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Haran, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Now that's some kind of hail. And it's kind of interesting. This hail seems to only hit the enemy. It's not hitting them. I mean, that's God's got uh, angels up there, I guess, with hail balls in there and they're aiming. They must have good aim. And they're taking out the, the armies. And Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalah. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. Now look at verse 12 again. Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, Sun stands still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. How many times have we heard this story? How many times do you have this picture that God and Joshua are having a conversation in prayer? Father God, look, I need you to hold the sun still. Except that's not what it says, is it? He has a conversation with God. And then he comes out and before all the people, he says, Sun, stand still. Moon, stand. He wants these things to stand still. Now, I've heard critics of the Bible who criticize this and say, well, this just shows you that the Bible's not right because in order for the sun to stay in the air, It's not the sun that needs to be standing still, it's the earth. Except, that person would be wrong. Because in order to make the sun stand still, people have researched this, and scientists, people who are scientists, found out that not only does the earth have to stand still, but the sun, the moon, all the planets, and it may even be necessary to stop the entire universe. I don't think that's a that's as, as certain, but the our solar system is so hinged on each other that you can't just stop one body without stopping the others. So when he says stop the sun, 
God steps in and he stops the entire thing. Now we think about that as well, if that stops and there's no gravity and everything starts floating off. Yeah, but you're not God. God apparently can do it. He could stop the earth, stop the moon, stop the sun, stop the other planets, keep gravity operational, and everything else seemed to be perfectly fine because his servant asked for it. That's a pretty big ask, isn't it? We only have one other time where the sun was altered this way, and that was back in the days of Hezekiah when God gave him a sign. He said, I'm going to give you this sign. The sun will go backwards 15 degrees. Now, I've heard people, and I do not know how you could verify this, but back when the NASA program was going on, that they found these lost days. I don't know how they can do that. I've heard about that. I, I, don't, I haven't heard it from anybody from NASA. I will say that. I've just heard people talk about it. It might be true. Maybe it isn't true. It doesn't need to be true for this to be right. God stopped the sun. I have heard this, that there have been some other writings beside the Bible that have recorded a day in which the sun stood still. I couldn't tell you what they are, but I'm sure that if you wanted to, you can go look them up and find out what, they, what that is. But here the sun is standing still over Gibeon. And it's not going down. For the simple reason, because I need more daylight in order to wipe these people out. You want us to wipe these people out? So I need more daylight. Keep the sun up. And God stepped in and kept the sun up. But it says that He commanded the sun and He commanded the moon. Now notice that. He said to the sun, He said to the moon. How many have ever heard people who want to go out there and they want to start commanding the sun. They want to start commanding things and to, and to do stuff. This is New Testament theology, isn't it? Jesus spoke to fevers. What happened to the fevers? They left people. He's, he spoke to things. He spoke to a fig tree. And he said, you be cursed. And what happened to the fig tree? It died. He spoke to people who were lame. And he said, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And what did the lame person do? They got up, took up their bed, and they walked. This is New Testament theology. Joshua's walking in. He's commanding them. Son, stand still. And the son stood still. Now, how many would like to have that kind of power? And a lot of Christians have been trying to step out and do do things of this this note. But I told you there was a limiting factor that we're going to go over with you. You see, most Christians lack the kind of power that Joshua is stepping into right here. The kind of power that Jesus stepped into all the time when he would command things and go. The kind of power that we saw Peter operate in when he grabbed the man who was by the, the gate and said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to walk. We see throughout the book of Acts of people doing similar things. See, so here's something that Joshua had going on with him. He knew his words had power. He treated his words as if they had power. If he spoke a word, he held it. Even when it hurt him. When he made that covenant with these people, 
and then he didn't renege on it. He is telling the enemy, he is telling everything around, Joshua's word is good. And so when he stood up here and he spoke to the son, he had some power behind it. See, a lot of times we want our words to have power, but then we say empty words. The Word of God talks about empty words in the New Testament. Don't have empty words. Don't say things you don't mean. Don't just blurt things out. Give it some thought. Go back to the Word. Find out what does the Word of God say I can do in this situation. Don't just say things. Now you'll notice this when you have uh, when you have children. If you have children, and every time you're threatening to spank them, don't you do that. I mean, I'm sure no one here has ever said these words. I am not saying this because I've ever heard anyone here say these words. But you know, I have been in the Walmart a couple of times. <laughs> don't you do that, or I'll spank you within an inch of your life. You ever heard that one? Parents say some things to their kids and the kids know there is no way that you mean that. And what you have done with those kids is you have lessened your word and they realize I don't have to pay any attention to you because what you say you don't mean. Now that happens in the lives of parents in the Walmarts. It can happen in our lives. If the enemy says I don't have to listen to you. You don't mean what you say. Huh. See, Joshua messed up in chapter 9. But what he didn't mess up on was he held to his word. But he's always done this. I'll give you a story of Joshua. Way back when, when Moses went up on the mountain and he was receiving the Ten Commandments and he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And after a few days, the Israelites decided, hey, we don't know what happened to Moses. Let's make ourselves gods and let's party. And they had a party. And Joshua had gone up the mountain with Moses. And halfway up the mountain, Moses turns to Joshua. You remember the words he spoke to him? Stay here until I return. And he went up the rest of the way. And then after a while, to the 40 days and 40 nights, God says to Moses, get down. Get down off this mountain. Get down to that rebellious people of yours. You know, he turned them all over to him. It's your people. And uh, he interceded for him up there. But when he comes down, when Moses comes down to Joshua, Joshua says this to Moses. There is a sound of war in the camp. Now, can you imagine being in charge of the army as Joshua was. He was the commander of the army. And there's a sound of war in the camp. But Moses had said to you, stay here until I return. What do you think that Joshua said to Moses? Yes, sir. See? He started this practice early. If he said something, he did it. I said, told Moses I would wait. I cannot leave here. Even though it sounds like there's war in the camp and I should be down there. If they're fighting the battle, I need to be down there helping them out. But Moses said to stay here. And he stayed. See, Joshua was a man of his word. 
Every opportunity we have to be people of our word is an opportunity to grow in our faithfulness and to be able to take on more in the area of faith. If you want to be able to speak to sickness and disease in your life, if you want to be able to speak to problems that are going on and tell them to go and tell them to whatever it might be that you're trying to speak to them, if that's what you want to do, then you need to honor all your words. Learn to do it. Joshua did. And when he got to a point where he needed to, he said, Sun stands still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. Verse 15. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp of Gil- at Gilgal. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Mechadah. And it was told Joshua saying, The five kings have been found hidden in the cave of Mechadah. And Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Then it happened while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they had finished, that those who escaped entered fortified cities. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Mechada in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. And Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me from the cave. And they did so and brought out the five kings to him from the cave and the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, the king of Eglon. And so it was when they brought the, out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with them, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. And so it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded and they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden and laid large stones against the cave's mouth which remain until this day. Hmm. These five kings represented an attack of the enemy. And he said, come over here and put your foot on their necks. And then Joshua went and he slew them. You can slay every attack that the devil wants to throw against you. Whether he comes as an angel of light whether he comes as twinkly, shiny things or things to distract you or things to, to lure you in. Whatever it is that he comes against you with, whatever it is that he tries to, to do against you, even if it's a full attack, just straight on attack, and he's just coming with everything that he has in the kingdom of darkness, you can win. Now here's one of the things you've got to do for a key for, for the winning. We've talked about this a number of different times, but it's still so easy for us to get away from this. See, when God told Joshua to enter into the land, God gave him the ability to do it. When God commands us, His power follows if we obey. When He spoke to the, when Jesus spoke to the layman and He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. How many of you, if you were the layman, might have said, but I can't walk. If, if we were having a problem and God said, do this and we can't do it, 
man with the withered hand, when he said, stretch forth your hand, the man with the withered hand could say, but it won't work. I can't stretch it out. He didn't say it. He stretched it out. God has spoken to us. God has given us things for which He wants us to do, to have victory. But very often, when God says, Steve, do this, what comes up in me is, I can't because of, and I list what it is. That will limit me. If God spoke something to you, that means you have now the ability to do it. Remember when Peter was on the boat? What did Jesus say to him? Come. What did Peter then have the ability to do? To walk on water. And he did. He didn't argue with Jesus. He just jumps out of the boat and he walks on water. And he does that until he begins to take in some other things from the waves and the wind. If God speaks to you, you can do it. If God says, I want you to go on this particular diet, it will help you. Don't say, get behind me, Satan. Just know, I'm in power to do it. If God tells me to do a particular thing, exercise, lose weight, whatever it might be, He's telling you to do. If He speaks to you and He says, do this, that is empowerment to get it done. And you're going to look at all the obstacles that are in front of you. Well, I have to do this, and I have to do this, I have to do this, and I have to do this. <sighs> I don't know if I can do all that. If God spoke it to you, you can do it. He has given you the power simply because He said it. Now, when you go out there and you begin to take on something for God, such as Joshua did, he's taking the promised land. And you, you come upon Jericho and you win at Jericho. And then you come over at Ai and you, AI and you have a defeat at AI. But you eventually come into victory. And then you keep on going and then what happens? Things begin to rise up. You may, may find that after you begin to, to walk with the Christian walk for a little bit, or even if you've been there for a, for a long time, if you are starting to make some progress, if you are starting to make some headway in your Christian walk, and the devil has not been able to get one of these single attacks to, to take you out, he begins to throw everything at you. You go out there, and you get a new car, and you're out there praising God. Thank God I was able to get a new car. Oh, glory to God for the new car. And you got the new car, and then as soon as you have that, two new bills show up. You didn't know you were going to have those kind of bills. All of a sudden, something's going on. Maybe the township decided you needed a new tax. You got a new bill right there. Or whatever it might be that it's going on. Something new came. I wasn't expecting this. And now I got this thing going on. Sometimes I can, can mess with us a little bit. You start, a, you start something new. And as soon as you get this thing new, God told you to start this thing. Here come all these these other things to try and get you unsettled. You believe in God for a healing on something and you feel like you're making some progress and then all of a sudden four new symptoms show up. 
Take a new job. God's blessed you with a new job. And as soon as you get in there, all these problems came out. Just know, the enemy loves to pile on. Because if he can pile on, if he can get everything happening at one time, he can usually crush you. Because he's going to get you, get you out of the realm of faith and move, move you into another place. Reasoning. Fear. Area of feelings. Whatever it might be. He's going to try and get you to a place where he can defeat you. Don't let him. They saw five kings. They didn't go run and hide. They marched all night. They met those kings. And they hadn't killed them all. And so he prays, don't let the sun go down. Didn't somebody write a song about that? Don't let the sun go down. Keep that thing up. I put this in your outline for you. You can fill it in if you want to. You can either respond from what is going on around you or in you. But the choice is yours. You can respond to all the turmoil and all the things that are happening around you or you can respond from what's on the inside of you. You're going to have greater victory if you learn to respond from what's on the inside of you. This is what Joshua had learned. He learned it in all the time he was with Moses. All the years that he walked with Moses. He learned how to respond from what was on the inside of him. He watched Moses. He saw how Moses responded, not by all the turmoil that the children of Israel brought in, by the peace that God put on the inside of him. And Moses continually responded from it. And he learned how to do that. And he did the same. Learn how to respond from what's in you, not from what's going on around you. Oh, and you will change your situation. If you hit a place in your life and you need something great to happen, your words carry power. They don't carry power just because you're born again. They carry power because you honor your words. Because you do what your words say. And just like those little kids who know, if you start saying some stuff, you know, I'm going to ground you for the rest of your life. They know you aren't going to do it. Don't say things you won't carry out. Mean it. And it'll help you out too every once in a while. Carry them out. You know, when you have that threat. <laughs> and you say, if you do this, I am going to do this. And they do it. And alright, we're going to do this. And then you see the puppy dog face. And you want to melt. Don't melt. See, this has repercussions down the road. Hey, I appreciate your puppy dog face. I love you. But, this is what's going to happen. That's why you don't make your punishments too severe. You know? No. You're you're going to go to your room for a week and no dinners. Don't do that. You do not have the stomach to carry it out. Come the next day, you're going to be changing that thing up. Make sure the punishment is something that you are able to carry out. Because you're going to have to carry it out a time or two. And it's the same thing with the devil. He, he knows when you don't mean what you say. And he laughs at you. But when Joshua stood up and he said, Son, stand still. The son knew it had to listen. And it stood still. Glory to God. Would you all stand up with me?
Praise God. Here today, we had two people want a prayer, Angel and Jessica. They want us some prayer here. Come on up here. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to lay hands on you and pray. Let my wife know that we're, we're praying over folks. She might want to come on out. I think she was trying to hang out. She may not be able to, and that's, that's fine. Come on up here. We're going to pray over you. If you're here today, though, and if you say, I have faced some of these things. I have done some of these. I have not seen the power of God operate in my life the way I needed to operate. But I want to see that power. I want to see that going on. I want to change some of the things that I have going on in my life. I want the power of God to minister. There's some things that you have to do in your life first. You need to honor the things of God. You need to obey the voice of God. And when you speak words out of your mouth, you need to do them. And just know if God told you that you can do something, you have the ability to do it. Don't ever turn to God and say, God, I can't. The Bible does not have any stories of people who Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. And they said, I can't. There's no stories like that in the Bible. Only stories we have are people who, he said, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And they rose. They took up their bed, and they walked. That same thing can be spoken for you. But you've got to stop saying, I can't. Start looking at how I can. All right, God, if you said that I can do this, then I can do it. Now, let's find out how. How am I going to go about doing this? God told you something to change in your finances. Don't say, well, I can't. No, this is how. God, thank you for the wisdom you give me on the how of getting this done. But if you're here today and you want prayer, hands laid on you for a situation, come on up here. We're going to pray for you then. Come on up here. Remarkable how obedient he is despite all the things that they're facing. Lord, I God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We speak to this body right now. And I, I speak health into this body. MS has no place here. No sickness and disease has any place here. There is no weakness in this body. That Father, you said that the weak say, I am strong. Body, you are healed by the power of God in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for all the freedom that is upon her right now. The Father, no longer held in bondage by these things, but in the name of Jesus. Glorious freedom. Thank you right now. Devil, you loose. Loose right now. There is no way that you can hang on. In the name of Jesus, all those things have to fall off right now in Jesus' name. Glory to God. I thank you, Father, for the power of God. 
the power of God that is flowing right now into these bodies. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, and Father, you make a way where there is no way. I thank you, Father, for the way that you are, you are painting right now. For the way that you are directing. In the name of Jesus. Glory be to your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, in the days that are coming, the enemy is going to try and tell you some things about your bodies, about your mind, about the things that are going on. He's going to try and pull you back down. Uh-uh. You don't let him. You stare him in the face and you say, I have the victory. Amen. The power of God has come into Amen. my body. Sickness and disease has to go. Yeah. Now, one of the things I know that the devil will try and do is he will come in as an angel of light and say, well, God didn't come into you that way. Mm. Don't buy into that. Mm. The power of God comes in. Don't let him talk you out of anything that God wants you to receive. Don't let him do it. Mm-hmm. You stand up. The Word of God says, let the weak say, I am strong. I am. Mm-hmm. You say, I am strong. Amen. No matter what it is that's going on. Your, your mind is yours. Mm-hmm. Does not belong to anyone else. Does not belong to the enemy. It belongs to you. You rule. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Praise God. Amen. Anyone else for prayer? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, Father, I thank you. That though the enemy has tried to gang up against us, he will not succeed. We are victorious because our God is victorious. I thank you for the good things that you have coming into our life. I thank you, Father, for the power of God that is at work in us. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good morning. <laughs> um, as always, it's a pleasure to um, fellowship with each and every one of you. And to we also say hi to those that are uh, listening by way of the Internet. We're so grateful to God for all he's done in our lives. We thank God for teaching. It teaches us the way that we need to walk in this earth. Um, as time goes on, we have seen many things occur in the Bible. And those things, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he will do these things as we line up with his word and we are being taught how to do that and to see these things, these miracles, these um, these wonderful things come to pass. And so I'm excited about that. I'm so grateful. Um, and listening to the teaching today, that we learn to honor all of our words. If God speaks something to us, he gives us the ability to do it. So I'm so grateful, and I'm going to um, just delve into the word that we've heard today. And as we listen to it over and over, we glean something different from it. And it will help us in the uh, the days and the weeks that we uh, come that come up. And um, each of us, we don't know uh, which what a day will bring. 
But we know what God's word says about anything that comes up, that we have the victory. And as we delve into his word, he will teach us how we can obtain that victory. So we're just so grateful to God. We have several praise reports this morning. Uh, one from Sister Ethel Waters. She's praising God that um, revelation comes through various ways. And she was listening to the podcast from last week. And the pastor began, helped confirm a, uh, a decision that she had made um, in January. And she said that even if the promise that she made was incorrect, um, that she gave her word. And just like the elders of Israel in chapter 9 of Joshua, she decided that she would honor her word no matter what because God calls us to be faithful. So she's in, um, she's listening to the word and applying it. And that's what we need to do each and every day. Um, Sister Ento says that this morning when she came into church, she suddenly started to feel ill or feel sick. And when she realized that the feeling um, wasn't going away, then uh, she and I prayed, and um, immediately she felt better. But now a few minutes later, she noticed that some of these same feelings were still lingering. Um, She wasn't going to be distracted, and um, she uh, just decided that she was going to receive her healing. So she began to praise and worship God and she continued to praise God through the pre-service activities and by the time the service began she felt great to God be the glory Uh, Sister Cheryl is saying uh, today praise God she has had her house on the market and we are here to celebrate and thank God that her house is sold thank God God is so good um, the Bacons have been in multiple uh, dangerous traffic situations this week. Uh, people running red lights, um, ignoring the signs. We've all had that. Um, speed limits and whatever. And God has kept them safe through it all. So we just uh, rejoice with them. We, God is so good. Um, now, Sister Cheryl's uh, saying that um, she desires us to pray for her children Their grandmother died um, Friday morning. And so we just, um, this week, as you are in your prayer time, we think of those that are suffering. Um, Different things have come out up up, up in their life, and they're having to deal with it. And as we, we can praise God for the good things that he is doing in our lives, but we also have to have that compassion when we hear about something or someone something they're going through that touches our heart. And so we want to just um, remember her ch- her uh, children because of the grandmother dying, and they'll have to 